We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other side of the speaker. And the band is back together. For the first time in a long time, the 49ers are as complete as they have been since, sorry to bring it up, their NFC Championship loss to the now Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams, who have just re-signed both Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald to huge ass deals, uh, a lot of money, a lot of run- money being thrown around at the uh, the capital of the the salary cap isn't real workspace over there at the Rams. But the 49ers just wrapped up their mandatory minicamp, which was moved from next week to this week, and that was the first time in 2022 that all of the 49ers players were required to be there, and they all were. Nick Bosa, Trent Williams were there. Nick Bosa was taking part in practice a little bit and getting into some of them individual drills. Uh, Both of them talked to the media. Um, Nick Bosa was about as animated as we've come to expect, but who gives a shit when you're that good? Trent Williams had a lot of cool tidbits, a lot of praise for Trey Lance. Um, Talked a little bit more about just how bad his ankle injury was that he finished the season with last year. Said he had no business playing with playing on it um, and didn't actually get to 100% until he said the week of the NFL draft. So, I mean, that's a a few months of, of allowing that thing to heal. So that should give you a, an idea of just how bad it was. But right now we're just finishing up mandatory minicamp. And then now we have the long break. Um, should be about a month and a half until the 49ers start training camp, which is always late July. Whatever weekend that adds up to you. I can look at my calendar right now and take a guess. I would probably say players are going to be reporting somewhere around July 25th, 26th. Uh, maybe they'll report July 25th. Um, but, you know, when it comes to training camp, it, they're not really necessarily trying to uh, 
make it start or stop or, you know, begin on a work day. So it could start in, it's just late July. It'll start late July and then they'll roll from there to mid August. And so we're almost there. I mean, the, the start of the NFL season is not that far away. Like I said, we've got the dead days that are this next about a month and a half. And then once training camp starts, it's kind of like we're rolling. You're getting daily doses of training camp news and how players are developing. Um, then you start getting into, uh, you know, the preseason, and then we're there. So, I mean, we really are in the last little stretch of the blank space without some serious NFL action. You know, once you start hearing about, like, that Hall of Fame game, then you're like, here it comes. Let's go. Let's go. But for now, we're still rolling off uh, off minicam updates, which just to kind of preface this, if you don't know, minicamp is done in a helmet, Shoulder pads, jersey, and shorts, you know, and, and they don't, you're not supposed to uh, have contact, although, you know, you know how them players get. But so anything that we kind of talk about in regards to minicamp, although, like I said, we're not really going to be having too much more of that given it's over and now we're just waiting for training camp. But it's always, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But at the same time, it's still football. It's, they're still valuable reps. Uh, they wouldn't do it if it didn't matter. So the first thing that obviously kind of just tops the scales as far as news goes is Debo Samuel's back in the building. Uh, we were seeing little clips of him in California, whether it was training or going to the Warriors game with Jason Barrett. Uh, there's that funny video of George Kittle up in one of the uh, up in one of the boxes, pointing, zooming, <laughs> zooming way in on Debo Samuel down on the floor with uh, with Jason Barrett. Um, so we knew he was here. And he, and he showed up, and a lot was made about whether or not Debo Samuel would or wouldn't show up, given the new rules in terms of the CBA, the players' agreements. Uh, he was stand to lose, I believed, about $90,000 from not showing up to minicamp, which to us is a massive amount to an NFL player less, but still significant. And obviously, I don't think Debo Samuel had anything, any interest in necessarily going down that road. But we've seen plenty of videos of him running up and down the sideline. He didn't take part in practice. He didn't even dress out, um, which is not necessarily a a big deal. Uh, a lot of players didn't take part in practice. Uh, George Kittle, Fred Warner, the last time they were out there, they were just watching practice from the sideline. So not a huge deal that Debo Samuel wasn't necessarily participating, but he did show up. He was wearing 49ers gear. He was running up and down the sideline, playing catch with teammates, having conversations. He had a, pra- a practice sheet in his hand, kind of rolling through. He was participating. Um, so, I mean, that's that's definitely a step in the right direction. Matt Mayoko of NBC Sports Bay Area, in his podcast, 49ers Talk with Jennifer Lee Chan, said that it, it seemed like everything was normal in the way that, that Debo Samuel was behaving and the way he was acting. His, he was upbeat. He was involved. He was interactive. He was positive, um, which, like I said, you're, you're not necessarily – the problem isn't solved. Debo Samuel isn't, isn't signed to a new contract. Uh, if the season started today, I don't think he'd be playing. If training camp started today, I don't think he'd be participating. So it doesn't mean he wouldn't be there. There's such a thing called a hold in where you're not necessarily not showing up, but you're showing up and you're not really doing anything. So there is a game to be played there. This situation's not over, 
But Debo Samuel is is in, the, is in the building and seems to be in good spirits. Kyle Shannon was asked about his relationship with Debo, and Kyle Shannon said that their relationship is is unchanged, and that he doesn't necessarily try and collect friends. And obviously, that's not the point of his job. But you can't really be a good coach without establishing relationships with your players and allowing that you know friendship to develop. Um, but he still understands the business element of the job and that Debo Samuel wants to receive a new contract and he probably will receive a new contract from the 49ers. We know he'll receive a new contract from somebody. That would be inevitable. But as far as the 49ers go, I still think that the the the, the odds on favorite in terms of outcomes is that they uh, they work it out and Debo Samuel gets a new contract just like all of these other receivers have. Um, Adam Schefter, Cooper Cup, A.J. Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, D.J. Moore, Chris Godwin, and Mike Williams are all receivers that got new deals or reworked deals, extensions this offseason. So I, I do expect that to get worked out. It's just a matter of when. you know. And, and just because Debo Samuel's in the building doesn't mean that everything's okay. I think that that a lot of uh, the social media reaction we saw to Debo being in the building was a little bit forward in terms of acting like everything is okay, when that's not the case. The, the uh, Debo Samuel showed up for mandatory minicamp, but then there's a whole month and a half coming up where he doesn't have to be in the building, and the two sides have still got to work on their relationship and figuring out what caused... Because, I mean, think about where all this started. Debo Samuel requested a uh, you know, he was posted on Instagram, $25 million a year, or I'm not signing. He eventually requested a trade. He said, don't offer me a deal. And now he's in the building. So there's obviously some frustrations there. Some some sort of rift still exists, exists that needs to get repaired. And again, I do feel like the 49ers will be able to repair that, especially when they're in the building. Kyle Shanahan was adamant about this, like, Look, it's easy for things to go haywire when you're not even around each other. And that's kind of why, you know, I'm a little bit cautious about expecting things to be solved when the team is, is sep- you know, is going their separate ways once again until the start of training camp. So still things to work on there. I'll believe that everything is good when uh, Debo signs a new contract, until, which is his ultimate goal. And until we get to that point, I think there's still plenty of cause for for caution as far as getting excited about Debo Samuel, getting excited about him playing with Trey Lance this season. Now, I, I fully expect all of that to happen. There's just some work to be done before we get there. Like I said, you've got all of these receivers who have gotten a new contract. The most recent was Cooper Cup who got a massive deal that, you know, big numbers. You could go into that. He's averaging about $22 million a year now. And that's really all that matters is your, kind of your per year average and how that stacks up with your guarantees. Because if whenever you look at these contracts, there's always these massive numbers at the end of the deal that kind of inflate the deal, inflate the numbers. And teams know that the player is not going to see those massive numbers at the end of the deal. For one of for basically one of two two reasons, they will either, I guess it could be three. They would either release the player before they got to that kind of money, or they would 
rework an extension that would kind of erase that portion of the deal and keep it rolling with whatever they've established is, is the new value. Or the, you know, the players trade. There's, there's just, I guess those are the two, those are the two options. It was just two. You mean the players either there or he's not. And most teams sign those types of deals knowing that if the player continues to play at the level they're playing, then by the time they get to those super inflated years at the end of the deal, they're going to work a new deal anyways. So, you know, it's always just best to kind of look at the guarantees, look at what the player is going to be getting paid per year, look at what the cap number, I mean, cap numbers can be deceiving because those get shifted all over the place. But in the end, um, Cooper Cup ended up getting around $22 million a year, which is right around what all of these receivers have got. Devontae Adams is a little over $22 million. Tyreek Hill. I believe his average is a little deceiving because of something at the end of that deal where he's making a ridiculous amount of money in the final season. But he's averaging over, uh, almost $24 million. Um, A.J. Brown, just a little over $20 million. You know, $20.8 million. So to me, Stephon Diggs, $20.7 million. So if you're looking at that, $20.7, 20.822. I would assume that Debo Samuel is going to fall right in there. Somewhere between Cooper Cup and A.J. Brown. You know, 21 million, I think, is a perfectly solid number to expect. And, and, you know, now you're looking at five years, 100 and something million, 110 million with a certain amount of that guaranteed, probably 50, 60 million. And when you're talking about numbers that big, you know, uh, when I was listening to Mayoko and, and, and Jennifer Lee Chan talk, they talked about Debo's, you know, how he showed up. There was a lot of talk made of how he showed up last year to training camp in the absolute best shape of his life. The coaches talked about the fact that he was able to keep going and practice multiple plays in succession without taking any breaks, uh, which is kind of a hell of a concept. But apparently, according to Mayoko, Samuel didn't show up in the same shape he showed up last year. Now, Debo's always been a little thick. We know that. He kind of has the body type of a running back. That's why he's so good at playing that role. And Devo's, I mean, you got to kind of just, I'm trying to think of how I can phrase this without it being too just dramatic. Devo's weight has always been a thing. Even his college coaches mentioned the fact that Devo can have a tendency in the offseason to gain a little bit of weight. You can just tell by looking at his body type. Now, that has had some impact on you know on his performance. I know that the year before, I believe that would be 2020, he showed up out of shape, and that led to a foot injury. It was kind of well, it, it was. I have it backwards. He injured his foot in the off season, which meant he was showing up out of shape, which meant he was a little behind on all the conditioning as they worked their way into training camp. And then he ended up, uh, I believe, having some hamstring injuries because of that. I mean, it was it was all stemming off that initial foot injury, which some people had said that that initial foot injury was caused by just trying to play at too high of a weight. So, I mean, that's a little bit too speculatory for me. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to act like Debo Samuels just showed up you know, out of shape before, but it has been mentioned in the past. And when you're, it's worth mentioning now. And the fact that Debo wants a new deal and apparently showed up looking a little soft, who knows? I'm, I'm not there to put my eyes on it. So 
this all kind of just plays into the fact that, you know, if someone were to ask, why haven't the 49ers paid Debo Samuel already? One, they don't have enough money to pay him right now. There's a certain player on the roster that's not expected to be with the team. Um, that's taken up like 20 something million. You guys know who he is. I'm just tired of saying the name over and over. They don't really have the money to, to give Debo Samuel a massive deal yet. And it's just not that simple. The, I, there are, there are, the 49ers probably have some serious reservations about making Debo Samuel w- among those players that I just talked about. Stephon Diggs has been doing it at a high level for a while. A.J. Brown, his, even though he was in the same draft class, he has been much more consistently at that peak. Cooper Cup, obviously, has just been, you know, he's the Triple Crown winner from last year, receiving yards, touchdowns, and I don't remember what the other one's catches, probably. He, you know, he's been consistent since he got here. Devontae Adams, no explanation needed. Tyreek Hill, no explanation needed. All of these players up there, where Debo Samuel wants to get paid, have proven their medal two times over. And while Debo Samuel was absolutely incredible to end last season, that's the only time he's been that way. He's been solid leading up until this point. Make no mistake. He's been decent leading up until that point, but by no means has he been a 20-plus million a year guy. He only established himself as that 20-plus million a year guy for the back half of last season when essentially, I mean, he put that 49ers offense on his back. So obviously there's so much respect there that needs to be given, but it's just very easy to see why the 49ers aren't just throwing money his way. It's going to take a little bit of uh, finesse to get this done. So, but in the meantime, Debo Samuel's here. He's in the building, and I expect him to report for training camp. But what happens in the meantime will determine the nature in which, you know, how he enters the building. So still a lot of work to get done. Still a lot of work to get done. Obviously, the uh, the other big name in the building is Trey Lance. And everything we've heard about Trey Lance Leading up to this point, now again, I'm going to step back to kind of what I talked about at the beginning of this episode. These are OTAs. The most work a quarterback gets is seven on seven, where you've got your you've got your pass catchers, you've got your playmakers, running backs, tight ends, fullbacks, wide receivers, against your linebackers, your safeties, and your corners. There's no pass rush. There's no offensive line. Quarterback's not looking over anybody. There's no one rushing the passer. He's not evading pressure, which in Trey Lance's case could actually manifest with crazier plays, but just not a lot of pressure in a quarterback's face. So you have to kind of temper your excitement in a little bit, but I'll get to that more in a little while. But everything we've heard about Trey Lance up until this point has been impressive. Now, before we get too far into Trey Lance, you got to know that Jimmy Garoppolo, he's been excused to continue his rehabilitation, which seems like the best decision for both sides. Obviously, the 49ers aren't going to hold Jimmy Garoppolo accountable for missing mandatory OTAs, 
there's no there's no reason to make that situation negative at all. Allow Jimmy Garoppolo to continue to rehab his shoulder injury, which it would not surprise me if Jimmy Garoppolo had already started throwing a football, but just hasn't really talked about it. He's expected to start throwing a football somewhere between now and the start of July. But again, it wouldn't surprise me if he was already doing it a little bit. Albert Breer said that he expects trade talks, if they're going to happen, to start happening soon. As NFL teams start to hear buzz about Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo being throwing, starting to throw again, I'm sure that you know an agent there to take some video so teams can see it. Stuff like that's going to start happening. But in the meantime, Jimmy Garoppolo is out of the building, rehabbing, leaving the spotlight and all the reps solely for Trey Lance, which is the way it should be. We've talked about this so much on the podcast. I think the worst thing the 49ers could do at this point, whether Jimmy Garoppolo is in the building or not, healthy or not, is allow Jimmy Garoppolo to eat away at Lance's reps. At this point moving forward, and I believe the 49ers have officially done this, it needs to be the Lance show. Trey area from here on out. That's just the way it is. It's not a matter of feeling like trainings to avoid competition. It's just the fact that the 49ers have made an an investment that you can't take back. They are they have a signed contract in blood that they're going to give Trey Lance a shot to be the guy. And within that contract involved giving up three first round picks and a third round pick in order to 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 have him. So they are honor bound to devote themselves to Trey Lance and do everything they can to develop him into the player that they think he can be. And despite Jimmy Garoppolo being a good quarterback, despite every, you know him obviously doing everything he needed to do for this organization to make last season a success, it's time to move on. It's just just where we are. So it's been good to see despite it being basically and there are no other options. Jim Garoppolo can't throw yet. He's rehabbing. There were no other options other than to give Trey Lance all the reps. But it's still been good to see him take control. And from what we've all heard, whether it's from Matt Mayoko, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, John Middlecoff, Guy Haberman, all the people that are on the ground in the building, pretty much everything we've heard about Trey Lance has been pretty damn good. Especially when you're talking about a guy who's has those reins for the first time in his career. He is officially the guy. Last year, he was asked to be the guy temporarily while Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. Did all right. But now he's the man. And he's had a full offseason where he's not preparing for a draft. He's not preparing for a combine. He's not preparing for a pro day. He is preparing to be the 49ers starting quarterback. Mayoko said, I don't see how this offseason could have gone any better for Trey Lance. And if you followed Matt Mayoko like everybody should, he is usually pretty even keel when it comes to praise or critique or anything in between. He's not really about the hyperbole. He's not really about exaggeration. 
I tend to just, you know, I, I just feel like Mayoko has a good solid grasp on everything. He's been doing it for a really long time. Super good dude. Um, just a real pro's pro, as they would say. And so when I hear him say that, you know, this offseason so far could not have gone better for Trey Lance, that's, you know, I'm taking that at his word. I wish I could have been there, but my school year just ended. So hopefully, hopefully we're looking at a training camp appearance. But it sounds like Trey Lance is checking all the boxes. Like I said, he's clearly the man. He's clearly the guy getting all the reps. The observations from around the uh, the 49ers stratosphere are impressive. Some of the most encouraging stuff I've heard is that he looks comfortable. And he looks like he's meant to be there. Now again, evaluations can only go so deep when you're talking about seven-on-sevens and, and, and you know some of the one-on-ones and, and stuff like that. But it's still... You can still allow praise to be acknowledged when it comes to this stuff. What you don't want to hear is that Trey Lance is struggling in an environment where the pressure is, it isn't much in terms of what's happening on the field, pass rush, defensive line. So to hear that Trey Lance is doing well is still encouraging. To hear that he was doing bad would be, would be very discouraging, but I still believe that you can take the things he's doing and allow yourself to get a little excited about him. I mean, we heard on his last practice on Wednesday that he had two consecutive big, deep passes. We're talking about 40-plus yards in the air. One along the sideline to Ray Ray McLeod, who the 49ers, uh, a speedster that the 49ers signed to uh, to contribute on special teams. But, you know, if Brandon Ayuk's not out there during those reps, Debo Samuel's not out there, George Kittle's not out there, you're going to have – um, Danny Gray, their rookie speedster, uh, tweaked his hamstring. He's not expected to uh, – well, I mean, I guess the 49ers are done with practice, so he'll have however much time he needs to rehabilitate. But not expect, not not serious. He'll he'll be ready to roll for training camp. But you've got guys out there like Ray Ray McLeod getting reps. Trey Lance hit him deep along the left sideline, apparently burned Ambry Thomas pretty good. He also hit Jordan Matthews. Yes, Jordan Matthews is still on this team. Hit him over the middle for – um, they were both touchdown passes that I believe Guy Haverman said the ball flew through the air 40-plus uh, yards. So those are all encouraging things, and there was an element of the 49ers offense under Jimmy Garoppolo where you felt like that stuff wasn't even an option. Like when we saw Jimmy Garoppolo complete a pass deep down the sideline, which I know there was one later in the season, it was like, what was that? Like did I just see that correctly? And that is an element that the 49ers are going to have that they had didn't have under Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo had his own strengths. He was a monster over the middle of the field, great with timing, great with getting the ball out on time, great with knowing where to go to the, with the ball. But there's just going to be so much more of a – it's the word I'm looking for – an explosive, explosiveness to the 49ers offense that we just haven't seen in a while. Maybe ever. Depends on how good Trey Lance works out. We'll see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But hearing about consecutive deep passes being thrown way down the field, along the sideline, over a receiver's shoulder, that's the stuff that you want to hear about right now because those are the things, those are the chances, those are the throws, those are the plays that Trey Lance should be attempting during these types of practices. The two interceptions that I remember reading about were both kind of seemed like, I mean, if you're going to take a positive from an interception, or at least it's not going to be a total negative. Um, the two I remember reading about were one that was in a, in a red zone period that apparently Trey Lance was very solid in. Um, he rolled out to the right, found Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk kind of bobbled the pass, and that allowed time for a defensive back to get into his chest and actually rip the ball away. So not a great look for Brandon Ayuk, but at the same time, not necessarily something that Trey Lance could have controlled. Um, another one of his interceptions I know was thrown over the middle. It was a little high, which is something we've kind of come to expect from Trey Lance so far. Um, hit the uh, the receiver's hands and flew back and was intercepted. So even when you're talking about the interceptions, I haven't heard anything in re- that you would think was like glaring errors, an inability to see coverages or to see players. Uh, uh, you know, again, I'm pumping the brakes because we're really early on and there's nobody flying in the face of Trey Lance while he's surveying the field. But these are all things that, to me, you can still look at and say, you know, what's the what's the what are the other options? You know, he could be he could not be making these throws. He could be throwing into the defense's hands. He could, you know, just be struggling generally. But that's not what we've got. We've gotten overly overall fairly positive praise. Um, it really just seems like Trey Lance is finding his footing now. 
again, this is just the start. We've got the break. Trey Lance is going to go wherever he works and work on whatever he feels like he need to work on after these OTAs. He's going to have all the film from everything he did in OTAs. He's going to look at it with his own private coaches. They're going to work on what they need to work on, and then he's going to come back to training camp ready to go. And that is when you're going to start to really develop a solid, you know, is it really that important to make assumptions about what Trey Lance is and isn't going to be before the season starts? Not really. I mean, we're going to be seeing it no matter what. But once training camp starts, we'll really start to get a grasp on what Trey Lance is capable of doing. I've said it a few podcasts ago. Every single Trey Lance play is going to be closely scrutinized by the media. Every single one of them. You're going to know his completion percentages. You're going to know who he completed those passes to. You're going to know how many yards they were for. You're going to know know who dropped the ball. You're going to know who Trey Lance missed and how much he missed him by. You're going to know who picked it off. It's it's all going to be there. And Trey Lance is going to face... One of the most scrutinized Trey Lance, excuse me, training camp evaluations that any 49ers player has gotten in a long time. But at the same time, that's when you're going to start to get a little clearer picture of what he's he's capable of. And you'll start hearing about those crazy ass plays that are inevitably going to happen along with the bad decisions. But you've got training camp, you've got joints practices. With the Minnesota Vikings, I believe. I'm going to look that up right now just to make sure I'm not losing my mind. I'm kind of far away from the mic right now. So, yes, Vikings. Minnesota Vikings. So that, And to me, that is your first major turning point towards, okay, this is what Trey Lance looks like against defense that's not his own. And players go hard in those joint practices. Make no mistake. And then obviously you've got the preseason, which will include a game against the Vikings. So you'll have, you have this evolution of discovering what Trey Lance is in this moment. It started with OTAs. It's been positive. It's going to continue to grow and become more clear in training camp. And then you're going to get preseason. You're going to get those joint practices. And then we're really going to know kind of what we've got on our hands here. And it's just exciting. And it's okay. Again, we're all going to learn. We're all going to learn at the same time in the regular season when it really matters. But the biggest thing I've tried to emphasize with, with you guys listening on here, with people I've talked about in person, with Trey Lance, is you got to understand the ride we're about to go on. This is the uh, third overall pick being given the keys to a very solid football team that has winning expectations, and it's going to be one hell of a ride. Trey Lance is going to make some incredible plays. You already know it's going to happen. He's also going to make a ton of mistakes. And for me, I'm here for all of it because just like the 49ers, I'm in it for the long haul. I want to see how Trey Lance develops over the next two or three seasons. I want to see it all. I want to see the types of mistakes he's making. I want to see the reads he's missing. I want to see the struggles he's having. But those are all going to be contrasted with the plays he's making. Just in those little bits of practice footage that were leaked last year, you saw some freaky, 
freaky stuff from Trey Lance. And I know we're going to get all that. And I just I can't wait for it all. Now, do obviously, do I want to see Trey Lance struggle? Do I want to see him make, make these mistakes? No, of course not. But we know they're coming because that's just the nature of the game. The best quarterbacks in the game make mistakes, let alone a quarterback who's learning his way on the job, essentially. Thankfully, you got a couple games of starting uh, last year, you know, a good foundation to start with. And as far as this offseason so far, it looks like he's going to be the unquestioned man as we move through the offseason towards training camp. But I'm just like, I'm looking forward to the complete Trey Lance experience. And I hope you are too. And, and you know, it's the further you can, the, the steadier you can allow your emotional reactions to be to all this stuff. I think the more you'll enjoy it because, you know, disappointing plays, disappointing performances, disappointing training camp news won't get you as down. You know, but maybe you don't get as high about the good stuff, but that's all okay because you got to understand that the entire experience is what what we're here for. And if things are truly going to work out, the mistakes that Trey Lance makes this year are what are going to build him up to be the player he's going to be next year and the year after that. Look no further than Josh Allen, a player with a similar, you know, a similar upbringing. As if, if I can put it that way, to Trey Lance. Josh Allen had more experience and more playing time as far as college goes, but looked super rough in his first year in the NFL. Then he got a little bit better in his second year. And then we just saw his third year, and that was nuts. And he's got a pretty good surrounding cast, and so do the 49ers. I do. I would venture to say that in terms of rookie quarterbacks, there hasn't been a rookie quarterback that's been handed the keys to a better team in a long time. So it's just you know seeing these news, the the OTAs news, the positivity, whether it comes to Trey Lance's personality, how he carries himself on the field, how others players are referring to him as a leader, how other players are referring to the stuff he does on the field how all of this stuff is building up towards just getting a clearer picture of what Trey Lance is going to bring to this team. And it's, I just am starting to enjoy it. You know, we had to endure that off season of all these just frankly, just bullshit stories coming out of nowhere about Trey Lance. I mean, it got to, it got all the way to arm fitness, arm fitness. We heard we had to hear that, and now we're getting actual Trey Lance news. And I'm not necessarily I'm not I'm not planting my flag saying, "Hey, we've got positive OTA news here. Trey Lance is a real deal." I'm just saying it's the first step in just watching this this journey, this Trey Lance journey. I'm just excited for it, man. It's football. It's 49ers football, and it's 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 getting to see what a potential franchise quarterback can be. Right before our eyes, you know, it's it's hard for me not to be excited about that, whether it works out or not. It's just it's such a a monumental thing for a franchise to be in this position. One, to be as good as the 49ers and two, be willing to put that faith in a in a brand new player and just see where it goes. That's kind of the biggest thing. Let's just see where this goes. So, again. Nothing 49ers for a little while. We got OTAs. We got mandatory OTAs. I believe that's it for the offseason. 
again, the 49ers are supposed to have mandatory minicamp next week. They moved it up to this week, and I believe that's it until training camp. Uh, Kyle Shanahan did cancel practice this Thursday. So that, I mean, that should be it, given what the offseason dates that were released. But I don't know if they have, you know, because so here's, here's the thing. They were supposed to have regular old OTAs from June 6th to 9th. Okay, but then they moved up mandatory minicamp. The overall OTA dates were May 23rd, May 25th through the 26th, May 31st, June 2nd and 3rd, and then June 6th and 9th. They moved them, and then mandatory minicamp was supposed to be the 14th through the 16th. They moved mandatory minicamp up into that 6 to 9 slot. Now, does that mean they've left themselves open for another mandatory minicamp next week in the original 14 through 16 slot? I'm not sure. I know that Kyle Shanahan already kind of feels like they don't need that many practices. That's why he canceled Thursday's practice. But you are allowed up to 10 days of organized practice. And right now the 49ers are sitting at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. They have two days left. So are they going to use those next week? Or are they just going to call it good and we're going to roll to training camp? I'm not exactly sure. Hopefully I'm not, I wasn't missing a little detail from Kyle Shanahan um, during his press conference, but that's where we're at right now. So exciting stuff. What I expect to be doing over that course of about a month and a half, we're going to start breaking down the 49ers roster and its current construction, um, going from position to position, um, highlighting any position battles, highlighting any swing spots where maybe somebody could be stepping into a pretty big role this season. And that way we can get to training camp. You know, the goal is when you guys are reading about a player, whether it's through a report or hearing about him on this podcast or any of the podcasts you listen to, you've kind of already got a solid idea of the position that player's in and what that player could accomplish, you know, maybe with a good training camp performance. I felt like always, always trying to get a grasp of what opportunities were within a roster really helped me watch training camp. Like knowing that there was a sixth cornerback spot open, you know, when I was watching Emmanuel Mosley play real well, uh, you know, we were talking like, you know, is there, is there, is there a spot him me and Croc stand on the sidelines? Is there a spot for him to get up in this, you know, knowing that there was a, a, resp- a spot at the back end of the receiver roster when we were watching Kendrick Bourne and we were so impressed. Another, guy that me and Crocker were talking about early on. You just kind of get a feel of who's got a chance here. And hopefully by the end of this training camp break, we can get through the roster and we can have a good idea together of kind of like what opportunities are out there. Cause there's definitely some for a football team. This good. There's still a couple spots that are going to be open for the taking. Um, so it's going to be an interesting time. Obviously, keep your eye on the headlines. See if the we'll see if the 49ers are going to allow themselves to have any more practices. But again, I kind of just don't expect them to because Kyle Shanahan won. He canceled Thursday's practice, and he's already told the media that he just kind of feels like they don't need that many practices. They don't want to flirt with injuries, and you know, basically save yourselves for training camp. We'll see you then, type deal. So we'll see what we get. We'll see what we get. Either way, I'll be back on here, whether it's breaking down uh, you know, the word for more practices or just starting to break down the roster like I just said. In the meantime, I appreciate all you. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Oh, and I believe it was Mike McVeigh, huge 
friend of the podcast. Always talking to him on Twitter off after episodes. The last time I was on here, I had I, I don't even remember what I said, but I was talking about a, a quote from a movie and I couldn't figure it out or I did figure it out, whatever. And it ended up being Dave Chappelle at the end of when he played Prince in basketball. And I, I think I figured it out on the pod, but I, I didn't really kind of know exactly when it happened. Yeah. And it was Mike McVeigh sent me the clip where Charlie Murphy's like, challenge him and make sure your people are there to see you do it. And then after that, he took us inside and he served us pancakes. And I don't know wh- where I pull those quotes out of, but it happens. I mean, and then just the same day, I think I dropped a uh, cool runnings quote in a reply to one of Grant's tweets just out of nowhere. I think he wrote, posted a clip of Trey Lance throwing and wrote, tell me what you see. And I just wrote, I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother that don't take no crap off nobody. That was just my my reply, <laughs> you know, and it was, I just, I have obscure movie quotes, um, in abundance. So again, thank you for listening to striking gold. Thank you for making this podcast what it is. Don't forget to go out there and, uh, rate the podcast, subscribe, download, uh, show, share it with your friends. I appreciate any and all the support you guys can give us. Like I said, it's all because of you that the podcast exists in the first place. So let's keep that rolling. Um, but Hey, All good things always got to come to an end at some point. So for another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we're signing out.